Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew will continue on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, Pastor, Tell Us Pleasing Things. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 30. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. We thank you for this great privilege you have given us to live in the land of the living. Many people did not live to see this day, but you have permitted us to live today. And not only that, you permitted us to assemble together in this holy Sabbath, in this place, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to experience a foretaste of heaven here and now, to have the joy of being with you, the joy of singing your praises, the joy of hearing your holy word, which is the word of life, is the word of hope. Therefore, O God, speak to us your word and raise us from the dead. May we praise you for your gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Open our eyes, open our ears, that we may behold God, that we may hear his holy word. Grant us a willing heart to embrace its directives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll turn to Isaiah, the 30th chapter, from verse 9 and 10 and 11. These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They said to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. And stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. The title of this sermon is, Pastor, Tell Us Pleasant Things. God has called and commissioned me to tell you always pleasant things. To tell you things that are beautiful and truly pleasing. I hope you all realize that. I am called to bring you good news. We have enough bad news. This text tells us how the Israelites demanded the prophet to adjust his message to suit the interests and desires of them. But before the prophet can prophesy good news, he must prophesy, he must preach certain necessary bad news. Before pastor can bring good news, he must preach certain unpleasant things to you this morning. Before gospel can be proclaimed, the law must be preached. So I want to speak to you, first, some unpleasant things, hard realities. I'm well aware that people don't like to hear unpleasant things. Unpleasant things such as, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. That Adam and Eve sinned against God and there was a fall which affected the whole 
universe. And as a result, all have become sinners. Born sinners. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it tells us the extent of it. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And not only that, we are born sinful in our nature. We practice sin daily. St. Paul tells us we are dead in trespasses and sins. So we are guilty before God Almighty. And the Bible tells us the wrath of God is revealed, being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Hard truth. Unpleasant things. The Bible tells us it is appointed for man once to die. And then comes the judgment. And the Bible speaks that there is a final judgment and eternal death in hell awaiting for every sinner. Hard truth. Unpleasant thing. And the Bible says the true God is not good and evil, but he is holy and he is righteous. And the Bible tells us he gave us the laws and he, we are to obey God's law and not transgress them in thought, in word or deed. And also we are told that the scripture is the very word of God infallible. Giving us infallible revelation of reality. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is God-man, the only Savior of the world. And therefore, there is no other Savior outside of Jesus Christ. And all attempts of all religions to escape that truth tells us that they are all false. To be saved, one must repent of one's sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. The Bible tells us another hard truth that there is absolutely no possibility of self-salvation based on our perceived human merit. In fact, the Bible tells us all our righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible tells us that we must renounce atheism and all idolatry of creature worship. And you remember in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, the prophet confronted Ahaz, whose knees were shaking because of fear. And Isaiah came to him and spoke to him the real truth. To trust in God, he refused to do it. He decided to seek the help of the Assyrians by giving them money. Later, during the time of Hezekiah, the unbelieving leaders of Judah refused to trust in God and sought help from Egypt again with their money. I want to tell you hard truth when we seek alternative way of saving ourselves. Going to Egypt only result, we are told in this chapter, chapter 30 and 31, tells us going to Egypt or trusting in any other thing or person 
only bring about shame, disgrace and destruction. Self-salvation never works. There is no alternative to the gospel. Take a look at chapter 30 of Isaiah and look at verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine. Or look at verse 2. Who go down to Egypt without consulting me. How many of us have done that? Our mind is working all the time. You don't want to consult God, consult the scripture, consult the pastor. We, oh, consulting the scripture and consulting the pastor and seeking counsel and plan of God. That spells weakness in American culture. We must grow up. And be mature and autonomous. They would not seek God's counsel. They would not pray to God. They would rather go to Egypt. Now remember Egypt. What Egypt did to God's people. They practiced genocide. On Israelites. They were proven killers of Israelites. God redeemed them out of Egypt and forbade them not to return to Egypt for help. And not only that, Egypt is weak and worthless and they do nothing. Look at verse 7. Therefore I call her Rahab, the do-nothing. That's why I said all our alternative way of salvation will never work. It's worthless. It brings shame, disgrace, destruction. Listen to what an Assyrian spoke concerning Egypt. During the time of Hezekiah, they were tempted to go to Egypt and so the, the commander, the field commander of Assyrians in Isaiah 36. This is what he is saying concerning Egypt. He perceived the field commander, the assistant of Sennacherib. He knew that Hezekiah and company are seeking help. From Egypt in the south. And this is what they are saying about Egypt. Verse 6. Look now, you are depending, that is trusting, relying, leaning upon Egypt. Now look at the description of Egypt. That splintered reed of a staff. Which pierces a man's hand. And wounds him if he leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. They all are creatures. They are flesh. They are weak. They cannot save you. They cannot help you. Don't you remember that God, the God of Israel, Defeated all their gods when he brought about their deliverance from Egypt. To go back to Egypt with this type of knowledge, you are a fool. To trust in Egypt. This is hard truth. But the greatest reason that Israel should not trust Egypt is given. In the 31st chapter, in this simple statement, verse 3, but the Egyptians are men and not God. They are creatures, they are flesh, they are weak. 
God has created us to depend on and trust in and rely on God, the infinite, immortal, God only wise, omnipotent God who created us as creatures to live depending on him, trusting in him, believing in him, hoping in him. You are a fool. If you trust in yourself or in anybody else, you are a fool because they are all men. It's foolishness for a creature to trust in a creator. Man must trust in the true God only. Secondly, let me speak to you concerning some wrong pleasant things. But who wants to listen to unpleasant things? Even though they are the truth, the scripture itself discloses them to us. Sinful people hate knowledge of reality. They like to hear unreality. They like to hear illusions. They don't want to hear supernaturally revealed truth. They want to hear things they have made up themselves. So they tell their pastors, look at verse 10 and 11. So they tell their pastors to see no more visions. Give us no more visions of what is right, what is straight, what is true, what is righteous, what is reality. Meaning, don't preach from the Bible. That's what it is. Because the scripture alone is divinely given word. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Look at it. They say, leave the way, this way, the way of God, in other words. Do not tell us to travel on the narrow way of God. Do not speak to us about discipleship and obedience to God. Do not tell us to travel on the narrow way of God which leads to eternal life. In other words, do not tell anything as anything about Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth and the life. Do not tell us anything about his deity and his sinless human nature, his substitutionary atonement, his resurrection. His lordship, his ethics, his coming again to judge and to save his people. Don't you ever preach the word in such a way that you are bringing the Holy One of God to our view. We are sick and tired of seeing the Holy One of Israel. Well, that's what preaching should do. Preaching is to exalt God so that people can see him and people can fear him, love him, trust him and be saved. That's our job. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto myself. That's our job, to bring the Holy One of Israel to the purview of our vision. But these people are saying, don't you ever do that. Do not hold before us the Holy One of Israel. Do not preach the word in such a way we are brought to see the Holy God. We hate him and his holy law. Now if you read it carefully, it is saying, please lead us away from the straight path. Please Lead us astray. And this is what they are asking. Ahaz, you could read about him in Isaiah chapter 7. He didn't want to hear the word of God. He didn't want to hear anything about this holy God. Which Isaiah saw in chapter 6. He would rather seek help from the Assyrians in the north by giving the money. Or you remember Ahab, 2 Kings chapter 22. He had 400 prophets who always 
prophesied smooth things, pleasant things. Ahab wanted to go and fight against the Syrians. And they all prophesied in unison, go ahead, fight against the Syrians and be victorious. False ministers preach exactly what people want to hear. They preach based on polling results. They want to be popular. They want to make more money. If they preach truth, they could not be popular. And they fear they would starve and their children will starve. So, a majority of preachers choose to preach pleasant things. They preach what people want to hear. They preach what pleases people. They entertain them. They praise them. They speak of self-esteem. They speak of moral relativism. They speak positive things. They approve whatever people want to do. They never rebuke them or correct them. They tell stories. They make people laugh. They preach humanism, psychology, politics, and a new morality. They never preach from the Bible. They say the Bible cannot be trusted. It is full of errors, not fit to be read by modern scientific man. They preach evolution. They say in the beginning was nothing. Then matter came out of nothing. Then little life came out of lifeless matter. And then man came out of life which came out of matter which came out of nothing. Billions of years ago. The idea here is there is no God. Therefore there is no morality. There is no truth. There are no laws. There is only one law. Do always what gives you pleasure. They are saying smooth things. Man is evolving. He is good and he is getting better every day without God. And smooth thing, man is no sinner. He is nice. There is no God. There is no law. There is therefore no judgment. There is no hell. and There is no heaven. This life is all there is, therefore make sure you have a good time. It is like a patient coming to a doctor, a quake phony doctor. He tells her, you have no cancer at all. In fact, I am surprised that you are in perfect health. Tell me, what is the secret of your perfect health? You should write a book about your life. You should go on TV and tell others the secret of your perfect health. The patient goes home and dies in a few days. That's what pleasant things which are wrong will do to human beings. Now I want to tell you about pleasant things which are right. Unlike the 400 false prophets of Ahab who spoke pleasant things to Ahab that resulted in his untimely death. The true ministers like Isaiah, Micaiah and Amos and others preach truly and everlastingly pleasant things. Things that result in salvation. Things that result in hope and peace and eternal life. Things that result in reconciliation of man with God. They are sent to preach the gospel. They refuse to preach according to poll data. They refuse to pursue popularity. They endeavor to be faithful ambassadors of Christ. And so they are hated, persecuted, slandered and killed. But when a patient comes to such a true prophet of God, he is told of his deadly cancer of sin. His deadly rebellion against God. And then show him the way of perfect health of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
True prophet speaks of reality. Eternal truth. He speaks of the law of God. He speaks of sin, which is transgression of God's law. He speaks of the pervasiveness of sin. He speaks of real guilt. He speaks of God's wrath. He speaks of judgment of God. He speaks of hell. He speaks also of the way of eternal salvation. He speaks of a redeemer, Jesus Christ, eternal son, who took upon himself our human nature, and yet without sin. He tells that this Jesus Christ truly is the Lamb of God who died on the cross for our sin and for the sin of the whole world. He was crucified for our sins and raised up for our justification. He tells them. He tells that everyone who repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be healed. He shall be saved and saved forever. He shall receive eternal life. He shall never perish. St. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. That word power of God, dunamis to the you, also means the prescription of God for our Deadly disease of sin. So, let's turn to chapter 30 and verse 15. The blessed news, the good news. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. He's Holy One. He's the sovereign one. He's the only Savior. This is His statement. The very word of God. Which the Israelites refused to hear and said, Don't speak that. Tell us pleasant things, smooth things. Don't you ever speak to us about this way. The way of the Messiah. The narrow way. The straight way. That leads to life. So let's find out. But they didn't want to hear. It is the good news. It's a real pleasant thing. It says here, Who is the speaker? This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. What does it mean repentance? Like the prodigal who went away from the father. To live in sinful pleasure in a far country. He repented and returned in the same way Israel must return to the living God. From her idolatry and trusting in Egyptian military might. Return to the true and living God. They must return to the living God. They must not trust in man who cannot help them. In quietness. You see, every sinner is engaged in frenetic activity of self-salvation. Trying to achieve that which he cannot achieve and he's always on the run. He's always working very hard to save himself. Whether it is by the accumulation of wealth or power or anything else. But the way of God is quietness. Stop all that self-saving activity. Frenzied activity. Stop it all and then trust in God and his Messiah. And you will discover it says strength. The Hebrew word is Geburah. You will discover strength of a warrior. He shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall receive such strength to live a powerful, victorious life in this world for God. Every unbeliever is a weak person. 
Who is a strong person? It is one who trusts in God alone. They must cease from all self-salvation. They must commit completely to the Lord for their deliverance. They must learn salvation is not by human merit but by grace. It is by divine favor. Grace is God's favor given to those who merited hell and divine wrath. Amazing grace. Salvation is by grace. It is a free gift of God to all who repent and believe in God's Son. Turn with me to chapter 28 and verse 16. This is another hard saying that they didn't want to listen. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion. Now we preached on that. This stone is the Messiah. The massive stone of strong foundation that you can stand upon. It will bear your weight and your fears, your agony, your pain and your every problem. He is mighty to bear it. And help you, here it is, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. One who trusts will never be dismayed. This is the gospel. In repentance, in returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, you will find your strength of a warrior. Strength by which you can resist the devil, resist temptation, and do all things God wants us to do. Powerful Christian. They must hear true preaching of the gospel. They must come to the narrow way and walk in it. What is this way? They said, get out of that way. Don't let us walk on that way. Please lead us astray into hell, into destruction, into misery, into anxiety, into worry. But the real preacher preaches and says, come to the narrow way. Walk in it, the way of repentance, the way of faith, the way of the word, the way of righteousness, the way of holiness, the way of eternal life, the way of peace, the way of hope. That's a pleasant thing, isn't it? They must cease from all self-help and their own merit. They must trust only on the merit of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin but became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's good news. That is pleasant things. Essentially, it is saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's the most pleasant thing you can hear if you are a sinner. And proof of true repentance is what? Rest. You rest in God. You experience peace rather than the churning and the anxiety and the dividedness and the schizophrenia and the fear of the future and fear of the past and fear of the present. And you go home and read Hezekiah chapter 37. You see, somebody did listen to this message that was Hezekiah. He was trying to depend on Egypt and he gave it up and said, All right, Isaiah, tell me what to do. He repented. He trusted in God. And you know what happened. He went and prayed to God. And God delivered Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib. And not only that, Sennacherib went home and he was killed. He never bothered Judah again. There is a way to be saved and that is by the mighty action of the great God in your behalf. Let me tell you, turn with me to verse chapter 30, verse 18. Take a good look at it. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. All who are worried and puzzled and confused and burdened. Here is a profound statement. The Lord longs. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. The Lord longs to help you. The Lord longs to save you. The Lord longs to forgive your sins. The Lord longs to counsel you, direct you, and help you. 
and bring you out of the miry clay. The Lord loves and longs to plant your feet upon the solid rock. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show compassion to you. Visualize a great and mighty God. A holy God. A most wise God. An omnipotent God. A just God. Looking upon our sinners. And yet he says he longs to be gracious to us. To save us. To help us. To forgive our sins. To justify us. To adopt us into his very family. To give us Holy Ghost. That he may guide you every step of the way. And bring you to heaven. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show compassion to you. Look at verse 19. O people of Zion. O people of Zion. Who live in Jerusalem. Speaking especially to the elect sinners of God. You will weep no more. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, you will weep no more. You want to find out how come you don't weep anymore. See, it's not some kind of stupid, pleasant thing. In order to say that to you and to me, he had to do something. And we are told in chapter 25, verse 8, the reason for it that he destroyed death. He destroyed death. Death is destroyed by the death of his son. That's good news. Why is it we are weeping and mourning and groaning? Well, because people are afraid of death. Isn't that true? We are afraid of death. But here it is. For people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. You want to know another reason? Psalm 30 and verse 5, we read this morning that his anger only lasts for the night. His anger has gone away. That's the reason. His anger was poured upon his son Jesus Christ. Therefore it has gone away from us. But joy cometh in the morning. You want joy in the morning? In this morning? You can have it. It says God is gracious to you. He longs to be gracious to you. You want to know other reason why you shall weep no more? Psalm 126 verse 1 through 6 says, When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion. God brought his exile back. That's the reason. You are not a captive one anymore. You've been brought back. You don't weep anymore. You want to see another reason? Turn with me to the 61st chapter. This is the chapter that speaks about the ministry of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord anointed me to preach good news. Here it is, the real pleasant things. Everlastingly pleasant things. But you must hear the sour thing before you come to sweet. This is sour and sweet. The world gives you what? Sweet and sour. Because it is telling you illusion and there is a sweetness in illusion, but you are going to die. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn. See, a Messiah has come. God has sent a Redeemer. His business is to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty in place of what? Ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning and garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair and so on. That's the reason. You want another reason? Turn with me to Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 7. And verse 17. The other reason is the Lamb of God is and in the center of his people. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. 
He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And here it is them. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. This is divine declaration, divine guarantee to everyone who repent and rest and in Jesus Christ. Weep no more. He says God is gracious. Let's read it. Weep no more. How, How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer. That's another reason. He will hear our prayers. The moment you pray, he answers it. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. Actually, it means teacher. You see, the teacher is God. When he hides him, it is because of our sin. And we are in deep trouble. But here we are told, weep no more. He is no longer hiding. He will reveal himself to you. Because of repentance, because of returning to God, he is revealing himself to you. Imagine God reveals himself to us. Our fear is gone, our tear is gone, our confusion is gone, our worry is gone, our anxiety is gone. And not only that... God is going to open our eyes so we will see him and open our ears. We will hear his word. We no longer would say, stop preaching. Instead, we say, preacher, please preach the word. Lift Jesus higher and higher that I may behold him and trust in him and be saved. Your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, you, your ears will hear a voice. <laughs> Not pleasant things, but the real pleasant things. From behind saying what? This is the way. Walk in it. In other words, there was a time you hated the instruction. Look at verse 9. Children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. And verse 12, because you have rejected this message, but now through repentance, you have returned to God, you are trusting in God, and God reveals himself, and the teachers, many of them you have, and their job is what? To teach you The counsel of God, the plan of God, the way of salvation. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, training in righteousness. God himself opens your eyes and ears to see the teacher and to hear his words. Let me ask you, has God done that? This is called regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. Satan has blinded the eyes that you may not see Jesus Christ. But God's Holy Spirit comes and opens your eyes and now you want to see Jesus Christ. You want to hear gospel. You love it. You thrive in it. Your heart throbs as you hear the word of God. You sit at the edge of the seat and say, Preacher, preach it. I love it. This is water of life. This is bread of life for me. And when you stray from that narrow way, from behind there is a word. There is a voice. The voice of the teacher through the preachers. What is it? No, no, no. This is the way. Walk in it. Not that. Whether you turn to the left, you shall walk in that way. The way of God. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit of God who will guide you in the word of God through teachers God has called and appointed. They are unashamed of the gospel. And they will tell you exactly which way you must go. Let me ask you finally, listen carefully. Will you repent and return to the true and living God? Will you abandon all efforts for self-salvation? Will you reject all lies and illusions All philosophy of unreality. Will you pay heed to the counsel of God? 
Let me ask you this. Will you have Jesus Christ as your savior? Now listen the rest of it. Or will you not have him as your savior? This is all you have to think about. Now let me tell you. Jesus saves only sinners. He did not come to seek the righteous. He came to save sinners. Come to him as you are. Don't try to clean yourself up. And make yourself acceptable to God. That will be adding sin to sin. You come as you are. He will make you clean. You come confessing your sins. And he will forgive all your sins. Nobody is going to be saved by weeping. Or by working. What is the one thing you need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And trust yourself to him. Now and forever. You know, the story is told of a French king. He met with an ambassador from a foreign country and he told him, You know, I want to take you to the French galleys. Where convicted criminals are working. And I want to give you the freedom to set one free. Whichever you want. And so he went to the French galleys. And he interviewed the convicted criminals. The first one said, I did wrong. But it was not my problem. Other people caused me to do it. Then he went to another and he said, the truth is I am perfectly innocent. I was convicted by false witnesses. And he went to the third and he said, sir, I have done this evil deed. I deserved, I deserve to be here in this place. And you know what happened. The ambassador pardoned him. You are not going to be pardoned by the Lord Jesus Christ by covering up your sin, by blaming the world and your mother or your genes. The way to receive forgiveness is to acknowledge our sins. Even so, God pardons all those who acknowledge their sins as the prodigal son did. The publican did. What did he say? He wouldn't lift his eyes to the heavens. He looked down. He was beating his breast and he said, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And he went home saved, justified, forgiven, cleansed. He went home as a child of God. Let me tell you, God is willing to save you. We heard that he's, he longs to be gracious to you. No matter what our sin is. There is no sin that he cannot forgive. God is willing to save you. Are you willing to be saved? That's a question. The question is not whether he is willing to save you, forgive you, justify you. Adopt you into his family. That's not the question. That is settled. From all eternity that is settled. The question is. Are you willing to be saved. To turn to him alone. For your salvation and what? Strength. This is good news. This is truly pleasant. I speak to you pleasant things. For your immortal soul. Jesus said, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Will you have Jesus Christ as your Savior or will you not have him as your Savior? That's the question. Ask him to save you, cleanse you, forgive all your sins, give you eternal life. Give you strength of the spirit of the living God. 
that you can resist the devil and he shall flee from you. You can resist temptation and you'll be victorious. And you can do what is pleasing in God's sight by his power. Without me, you can do nothing. But we can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthened us. Heavenly Father, we pray. Thank you for unpleasant things. Hard realities that we try to evade and avoid and forget about. We repent of our sins. We return to you, the true and living God. We have no merit of our own. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. We trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, alone. Heavenly Father, save us. Save us, we pray. As you saved the prodigal, the publican. Millions have come. But there is still room at the cross for all who come to be saved by Christ. Save us, O God. Forgive us our sins. Send your Holy Spirit into our hearts. That he may instruct us and guide us in your word. That we may walk as pilgrims to that celestial holy city whose builder and maker is God, that we may live with you forever and ever, enjoying eternal life and fellowship with you. Thank you, O God, for hearing our prayers. We believe in your promise. We believe in your salvation and in your forgiveness which you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. Thank you.